from the gospel for today. And when they, Mary and Joseph, did not find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came about that after three days they found him in the temple. This is our text. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear friends. Here we are already, the tenth day of Christmastide, but two days to go until Epiphany celebration of the arrival of the Magi who came to the house, St. Matthew tells us, the house where they found Mary and Joseph and the babe who was at this time now gone from the grotto cave in which he had first been born and now he is dwelling indeed in a house, Epiphany for us. This coming Wednesday marks the end of Christmastide for another year, and so now all the trimmings that are associated with this great festival of the church year come down. All of those trimmings that even the secular world mimics are put away as we prepare to move on. And you get that sensation of moving on, even as Mary and Joseph had that sensation of moving on soon after the birth of our Lord, to move forward into the new year. 2010, which will, even in the world's marking and liturgy of time, see another Christmas come, and will see another Christmas go as it has seen thousands of Christmases come and go even before this year. Are you ready to move on? Because that's what the text even for today bids us do. The text for today catapults us in time from the time of our Lord's infancy when he was indeed a small child in the Grotto Cave, when he was a small child, even in the temple as we heard last week, when he was a small child in the house where the wise men would come to greet him and worship him with their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it catapults us from those days and from those earliest of years, 10 years forward in time, suddenly to a time that he is almost a teenager. That time when he is learning the fullness of the law, as was customary of Jewish children of that age, at about the age of 12, to really immerse themselves in the teachings of the scriptures. It all seems to be happening so quickly, doesn't it? Kids grow up fast enough the way it is. And to be sure, there are those times when parents might deny it, but then they become grandparents and they know it. The time is fleeting that it goes all so quickly, even as the assigned readings of the church here move us forward, even though we might resist, they still wisely move us on, because there's so much yet for us to see and to celebrate in the seasons of the church year yet to come. And as we move on in the narrative of our Lord's birth and childhood, we find an interesting theme that runs through the account of each of these different parts of the story of our Lord's youth, from the time that he was a babe in Bethlehem to the time that he's a teenager in the temple, a theme that continues then to run on through his adulthood, even to the time of his death and burial and resurrection. It seems, as you look at all of the different events that transpired during the course of his years, from a child to a boy to a man, that someone is always seeking out the Lord. Someone is always in search of the child, of the boy, of the man. 
Think about it, whether it's the shepherds that are seeking him out in Bethlehem, saying, let us go and see these things which have come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Or old Simeon in the temple, who scripture says was looking for the consolation of Israel. Or Anna in the temple, who was waiting for the Messiah to come. Or the Magi, who having seen a star in the east, scripture says sought him out that they might bring him those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Or King Herod, who also sought out the child, that he might destroy him. And then he proceeds to ruthlessly murder dozens of male children under the age of two in that terrible slaughter of the innocents, which the church commemorates and remembers on December 28th of each year. Or Mary and Joseph in our text for today, frantically looking for, distressed and looking for, as it is put indeed by St. Luke, in search of the 12-year-old boy where you might expect to find him among his relatives traveling in caravan with the rest of them in Passover. But he's not there. And then you find him with the teachers of the law in the temple where they're in search of what he knows, they're picking away at the mind of this 12-year-old, seeking out that Solomon-like wisdom that we heard about in the Old Testament. And indeed, what was it that St. Matthew tells us? That someone even greater than Solomon is here. Wisdom itself personified is here in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was that those teachers of the law understandably were amazed at this teaching that Jesus would give and that he had the understanding even at the age of 12 that he did. In every case, someone for some reason is in search of the child. The Lord Jesus from his infancy on draws men and women of every station in life to himself, be they poor and simple shepherds in the field or wealthier wise men from the east or a patient prophet in the temple or prophetess in the temple or a mad king in his palace or frightened parents in pilgrimage or the well-intending teachers of the law drawn by one thing or the other but always drawn by the Lord and through his word they are in search of the child and so we would all be and no greater and higher calling can there be in life to be in search of the child no matter what our status or our station in life might be in search of the child is what we need to be because when you think about the divine truth of it all, it is the child who first of all sought us out. And that's the only reason that we can seek him out in our lives is that he has sought us out. He has sought us first out and found us and saved us and made us his own that we might seek him through his word and through his sacraments wherein he comes to us. We seek him because he first sought us, even as we love him, because he first loved us and gave up his own life for us. We seek him in faith because he first sought us, when, us out when we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, St. Paul says. When we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. He didn't abandon us to our sinful condition. I'm reminded of a man who was driving home from his office one day and on the way home he saw the ugliest 
vehicle that he had ever seen. I mean, this car simply wasn't ugly. It was ugly on top of ugly. Maybe some of you have seen cars like that before, but they don't even belong on the road. It had one large gash in one side of it, and it was severely and repeatedly dented on the other side of it, and one of its doors was being held together by bailing wire. Several body parts were almost completely rusted out. And in fact, the muffler was so loose that with every bump it would hit against the pavement and cause sparks to fly in one direction or the other. The original color of the car, we didn't really know because it had been painted so often and it was so oxidized because of all the rust that had gathered underneath the car and it was rusting out, was in terrible condition. And yet, despite all of its scars and all of its bars and all of its wear and tear, despite that terrible condition, do you know what the most interesting thing about the car was? It was a bumper sticker that was in the back of the car a bumper sticker that read, this is not an abandoned car. And perhaps too, as we look at our own lives, we could use one of those bumper stickers for ourselves. Our own life might indeed bear a bumper sticker like that. This is not an abandoned life. This is a life which may well show the Mars and the marks of time and sin upon it, not only the little dings and the dents that are put into our side panels by the intruding and impious, irritating and minor sins of others, but also the severe blows and gashes that are put into it because of our own sins that we perpetuate upon the world and suffer the consequences of, or the rust from within us that eats away over time, gradually weakening us and wasting us away, the rust from within our original sin that we receive and pass on from one generation to the next, that's what ultimately wears us out and wears us down and wears us away, the sin within, that spiritual rust within. But what does the sign say? What does the sign that you wear say? What does the sign of your baptism say? It in essence says this is not an abandoned life. Not in the least, despite every outward appearance, despite every contrary claim, this is not an abandoned life. Ours is not an abandoned world. Christmas, you see, has told you just the opposite. Christmas has said during these past days that we've celebrated, for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Christmas says that God has not abandoned us, but God has come to us and become indeed what we are that he might save us, that he might enable us to see him for who he really is. He became flesh for that purpose, scripture tells us, since the children, it says, have flesh and blood, he, Christ, shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is even the devil. For this reason, he, Christ, had to be made like his brothers in every way, 
in order that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Thus the Holy Scriptures. That's why Christ came. That's what Christ did. And that's why we seek Christ, because he first sought us out and found us and saved us that we would not be abandoned lives, but rather lives that know who he is and proclaim to all the world who he is. Now that we know who we're seeking and why we're seeking him and how we're seeking him, the question is, where do we find him in our day? Where do we find this Christ that we seek in our age? The angels, remember, told the shepherds where to find him, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And they said, Let us therefore go and find this one, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And the wise men too, they had heaven's help. They could not have found this Christ child in the house where they found him, were it not for that star that led them from afar? Where is he who was born king of the Jews? They said, for we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him, that same star that led them even from Jerusalem unto Bethlehem, but six miles away. A heavenly guidance that they were given. And lo, the star, it says, which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. In both cases, and in all cases, heaven leads the sinner to his Savior. And it happens in no other way. No longer do angels, though, tell us where to find him. And no longer do stars lead us to him. If we are to seek him today where he would be found, we must seek him where he's promised to be. And that, my friends, is in his word and in his sacraments. That is where Christ in our day has promised to be. You search the scriptures, Jesus says, because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness to me. That word which Luther said is the, the cradle that bears the incarnate Christ to his people. The cradle of God that bears Jesus to his own. And therefore, St. Paul says, from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, St. Peter says, we have a prophetic word that's made more sure to which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp that's shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star, the Lord Jesus Christ, rises in your hearts. Christ is no longer visibly present with us today as he was for the shepherds. He's not visibly present with us as he was for the wise men to see there in that house to which they came. But he is nonetheless truly present with us. Though not visibly so, he is truly and as much present with us as he was back then. He is found in the word that we hear as he speaks to us. And therefore he has promised us, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am, even in the midst of them, where his word is rightly preached and taught. There Christ has promised to be found. Where his sacrament of baptism is rightly administered, there Christ has promised 
to be found. For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have what? Have put on Christ. He's there. Wherever his sacrament of his holy supper is administered according to the institution by Christ, there he has promised to be in the blessed reality of his body and his blood among us. Of the bread, he says, take and eat, this is my body. And of that consecrated wine, he says, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood. You see, where God in the flesh was once hidden from the faithless in swaddling clothes, and the faithless did not see him there, though he was there, and as he was once hidden from the faithless in the swaddling clothes of the manger, and in the ordinary garments of a 12-year-old boy, even in the temple, so today he is hidden from the faithless in the word of God and in the ordinary elements of water and bread and wine. But that's where the faithful will find him. That's where they'll see him in his grace, for that's where he has promised to be. Will you seek me with him there in the days of this new year to come? Will you diligently search the scriptures? Will you faithfully partake of the sacrament wherein we receive him, where he's promised to be? Will you find him as Mary and Joseph did when he was a boy of 12 in his father's temple doing what he must do? His father's house, about his father's business, meeting your deepest human need. In the year to come, will you find him where he's promised to be? Speaking of the temple and finding God where he's promised to be, Martin Luther put it this way. He said, once God bound himself to the temple of Jerusalem, which is now to an end, not indeed for his own sake, but for the sake of the people who needed a definite place where they knew that they could find God. And therefore he wanted to be nowhere else. And whoever wanted to call upon him and come before him had to come to Jerusalem or at very least face toward Jerusalem no matter where in the world he might be. But now, dear friend, Luther says, but now God has prepared a different temple in which he wills to dwell. This holier temple is the dear humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Christ, is God's temple. Here in Christ is God's house. Here in Christ is God's castle, God's palace, God's royal hall. Here now in Christ is where God desires to let himself be found and nowhere else. Would that we, throughout this new year and with the wise men of two millennia ago, still find Christ where he is promised to dwell. And then we will be among the wise men who seek him still. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.